<coughs> and we read from verse 28, uh, reading through into chapter 15, and uh, concluding at verse 8. That's page 1083 in the Church Bible, page 1083, John chapter 14, verse 28. Jesus is speaking to his disciples um, on the eve of his crucifixion and he's preparing them uh, for his departure. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me you would be glad that I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father, and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Amen phrase in verse 5 uh, and uh, the sermon that I'm going to preach this morning is not so much an exposition of this passage we had that about uh, 15 months ago when I was preaching through John's Gospel uh, I um, want to take this phrase this morning more as a theme um, and show the application of it uh, to our lives. The phrase is, apart from me you can do nothing. John 15 verse 5, uh, page 1083 in the Church uh, Bible. And uh, if we were to translate this phrase literally, it is, for apart uh, from me you can, you can not do nothing. It's a double negative. And we would translate that in English as you can do nothing whatsoever. Apart from me, you can do nothing 
at all. Apart from me, you can do nothing whatsoever. Now, as we think of this verse this morning, of course, it applies, we're thinking here, in terms of our spiritual lives. It is true that people do many, many things without acknowledging Christ. Uh, Our community this morning is full of people who are up and about and they're doing this and that today. They will go to work tomorrow. Uh, They own homes. They will marry. They will have children. And they do all of those things without any recognition of Christ. But what this text is saying that there is nothing of spiritual or eternal benefit or worth. Nothing that will last into eternity that is done apart from Christ. So that's the context in which we want to look at that uh, at this phrase this morning. These words are among the last words uh, spoken by Jesus to his disciples. Judas the betrayer has now gone out from among them and Jesus and his disciples uh, have left the upper room and they're some way on the road to Gethsemane. They haven't reached the Garden of Gethsemane yet. And as they go through the streets of Jerusalem and as they go through the hillside um, up to to Gethsemane, Jesus continues to teach them and to prepare them for his departure. And he's saying to them, when I am gone, and when I am no longer physically with you, remember this, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. And so I want to apply this truth this morning, uh, and illustrate this truth and apply it this morning to four areas of our lives. Uh, And uh, the four areas are covered on the rear side of your order of service. First of all, apart from Christ, our lives will not be changed. Our lives will not be changed. In a few weeks' time, uh, the children, dare I mention it, will be back to school. Already this past week, uh, there came a brochure in through our door for the Belfast Net. Um, so, Jonathan, your, your, your college is ahead of the game. Um, setting out courses that young people can take and also uh, the, the Met and other colleges will be offering uh, night classes as well uh, covering a range of subjects. Practical subjects such as computers, woodwork skills, um, A-levels, right through uh, to basic degrees. And among the courses that will be advertised or that are being advertised, there will be courses on personal development. Here's how you can um, become a better individual. Here's how you can improve your sense of worth and boost your self-confidence. Here's how you can enhance your skills. And those courses are designed to help people change. Whether it is train for a vocation uh, or uh, to um, uh, be better equipped for living life. Now all of those courses undoubtedly have value. Yet they are unable to change men and women 
in their character. They cannot change you or me or anyone else in our sinful nature. That change cannot be wrought apart from Christ. And without Christ and apart from Christ, no one's sins can be pardoned. And it's not even a matter of the sinner meeting Christ halfway, because that doesn't happen. The Gospels tell us that Christ, the shepherd, has to go out and to seek the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. So without Christ, a saviour, no one can become a child of God. And that's an important truth for us to remember. And if you're in church here this morning, uh, and uh, you are seeking to change and to be changed, but Jesus Christ is not part of that change, then it is futile. You will accomplish nothing. Because he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now this is true not only of the man or woman who is not a Christian, it is true of all of us here this morning, equally, who are Christians, whose lives have been already renewed by Christ. Your life and my life, fellow Christian, needs to be changed further. You and I need to become more like Christ in his character, in his speech, in his conduct, in his attitudes, in his actions. And again, Christ says to you and to me this morning as Christians, for without me you can do nothing whatsoever. You cannot grow spiritually uh, by the smallest amount. You cannot mature spiritually apart from Christ. And we do need to remember as we look at these words this morning that he spoke them to his disciples. To those who have been renewed by him. To those who, have, who are following him. And Christ expects them, and it's clear from the passage, again and again the emphasis is on bearing fruit. Um, verse 4. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When someone professes faith in Christ, that is the starting point. And the proof of whether that profession of faith is genuine and real, whether there is a work of God that is beginning and happening there, the proof of that is when you see fruit, when you see growth, when you see development. 
you plant a seed in the ground, how do you know that this uh, that there's something growing when we planted that seed? It was when we saw the shoot coming up. It was when we saw the stem develop. It was when we saw the leaves uh, develop. It's when we saw the flowers develop. It's the same in the Christian life. The evidence that someone is a Christian is when they begin to bear fruit. And Christ reminds us that exactly as we are not saved apart from him, we are not sanctified. We are not we will not mature apart from him. We will not bear fruit apart from him. Now what is the fruit that Christ is looking for in your life and mine? Well later Paul will write about it. And he will um, detail it in Galatians when he talks about love and joy and peace and long suffering and kindness and goodness and gentleness and meekness and faithfulness and self-control. He says this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the character that Christ produces in those whom he has saved. And you and I are to remain in him, as we were saying to the boys and girls, in order that we bear this fruit. Verse 5. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. So we could say this morning, that apart from Christ, no life is changed. The non-Christian is not changed apart from Christ. And the Christian is not changed apart from Christ. In the case of the former, unless they are joined to Christ in repentance and faith, and in the case of the latter, the Christian, you and me, unless we abide in Christ in repentance and faith day by day. Let's ask ourselves this morning, am I being changed? Am I bearing fruit? And if I'm not bearing fruit, and if I'm not being changed, is there something wrong with my abiding in Christ, remaining in Him, and drawing life from Him day by day? Because that is why it is so essential that we day by day read the scriptures and pray it's not that we can tick a box it's not that we can go into church the following Lord's Day feeling good and saying well every day last week I prayed every day last week I read the scriptures no it's not about that it's about remaining in Christ tomorrow and on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday because we only can come together infrequently but we can abide and we are to abide in Christ individually, day by day. Let's notice then secondly, apart from Christ, our children will not be converted. Apart from Christ, our children will not be converted. As friends, we have many um, responsibilities with regard to our children. Many tasks 
to fulfil. To see that they um, receive an education and that they have a sense of vocation by the time they come to their mid-teens. A sense of what God wants them to do with their lives. With responsibility to bring them up and how they relate to each other in the family, brother to sister and child to parent. How they relate to their neighbours around about them. And many, many other things with responsibility for their physical well-being, for their diet and for what they eat and what they do and where they go. And yet our greatest responsibility and the one that we uh, cannot accomplish by ourselves is that of their spiritual well-being. That of their conversion to Christ where they come to repent and to believe. And then they're going on with Christ and they're growing up in Christ so that as they come to their teens they're discovering, as Joseph did, what the purpose of God is for their lives. And they're entering into that. And by the time they're young men, young women of 25, 30 years of age, they are settled in that conviction and in that path of life. But none of that can happen apart from Christ. Yes, we take seriously the teaching of the scriptures to our children. We take seriously family worship, where we gather our family day by day around the word of God and we read it together and as a father, or if the father's not there, the mother will explain it and talk briefly about it and then we will pray together and if we have the ability, we will sing together. Yes, we will do those things. Yes, we will bring our children with us to worship uh, on the Lord's Day. We will involve them in the life of the congregation. All of those things are important and not to be neglected. But when we've done all of those things, and as we do all of those things, we remember, apart from Christ, I cannot impact the life of my little child. Apart from Christ, I cannot impact the life of my teenage son or daughter. Apart from Christ, they will not have a desire uh, to keep their way pure. Apart from Christ, they will not have a desire uh, to, to serve him. Only Christ can convert our children. And so apart from Christ, our children will not be converted. So you who are parents, and you are grandparents, and all of us in church here this morning, the children in our midst are our responsibility. Some of us, it's to a huge degree, for parents and then it's slightly less for grandparents and we could say it's slightly less again if they're not connected with us by blood but we have a responsibility because God has placed them in our midst and Christ said suffer the little children to come unto me 
and were to have a desire and a concern uh, as those in Christ that the children, whether they're our blood children or not, they're the children of our congregation, that they will come to faith in Christ. And so we pray often, we pray regularly for that renewing work of the Holy Spirit uh, in their lives. It's one of the vows we take, the baptism of our children, that we will pray for the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. It's a good vow uh, to take and it's an important vow uh, to remember and to keep. We remember that as well, actually, as we work with children in the community. And this week again, we'll be engaged in our week of focused outreach and we'll be working amongst children. We'll be working amongst teenagers. And we will also be working amongst adults in a variety of ways. And we remember that apart from Christ, the adults, the children, the teenagers that we work with, and we can have the best of materials and we can be well prepared in everything that we're doing and we can be friendly and welcoming but if we forget Christ our children the adults we contact with will not be converted because apart from Christ um, it is not possible but then let's notice uh, thirdly uh, and I've touched on this already apart from Christ uh, our witness will not be effective but let me just explain this a little bit further in the context here 40 days or thereabouts after this time when Jesus is speaking to his disciples he will be with them again for the last time not now going to the cross but now um, uh, on the Mount of Olives the cross will be behind him and his ascension his return to heaven lies before him so what will become of the work that he's begun well he says to the disciples he gives them this commission Matthew 28 verse 19 go therefore and make disciples of all nations what a task that must just have blown the minds of the apostles here's 11 men and to have been asked to go and make disciples in Palestine among the Jews that would have been a big enough task but Jesus says go and make disciples of all nations the Jews and the Gentiles and within the Gentiles and the Samaritans and the Romans and all those other nations around about and so they're to take the good news of Christ to the ends of the earth the words of our text are applicable here too apart from me without me you can do nothing without Christ uh, without reliance upon him they will not be able to fulfill this commission that has been given to them and we read through the book of Acts and we see how they did accomplish this the gospel yes it spread through Jerusalem and then it spread out from Jerusalem to Samaria uh, and to Caesarea 
and then right the way out again through the Roman Empire to the capital city, Rome itself, where Paul is at the end of Acts. And so you have Peter at the beginning of Acts, and you have Paul in the middle and the end of Acts, and the other apostles, and many of them we don't know where they laboured, but all of them laboured in this sure and certain knowledge that the task of making disciples of all nations they could not do apart from Christ. Apart from Christ. And so, in all that they went to do, there was that dependence on Christ. Success in evangelism does not depend on the gifts of those undertaking it. Success in outreach does not depend on the enthusiasm or the eagerness of those undertaking it. Not a case that the more eager we are, the more enthusiastic we are, the more successful we will be. No, that's not the case. Success in outreach and evangelism is dependent on the blessing of Christ. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so that's something for all of us to remember this week. Not just those who are at the cold face, working with the children or the young people or engaged in coffee stuff. You who are not hands-on, you have this vital role, joining with us in prayer and remembering day by day and pleading day by day, Lord Jesus, my fellow members who are doing this work, they can't do it apart from you. And so bless them today. Sustain them today. Fill them with a sense of your presence and your power and your grace today. That as they speak, they will do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all that we do, let us remind ourselves of this. Not only this week, but as we go into another year of ministry from our congregation into the community, wanting to bring hope to the lives that are broken around us. We've got to remember, it's not our program, it's not our materials, it's not our persona, it is Christ. And apart from Christ, it will not be successful. But then let's notice finally this morning and fourthly this morning that apart from Christ our congregation will not be increased. It will not be increased. Let's go back a bit in Christ's earthly ministry to about halfway through. And Jesus takes the twelve disciples aside and he says to them He puts to them this question. Who do you say that I am? And of course we know the reply. Peter. He was always quick to answer. But right in his answer. Replied, you are the Christ, the Messiah. You're the Son of God. Do you remember what Christ went on to say? 
on this rock I will build my church. Was he talking about Peter? Well, that's where Roman Catholicism is so wrong. He wasn't talking about building his church on a man. He was talking about building his church on this confession. You are the Christ. Wherever that happens, wherever that is the product of Christ being presented and preached and witnessed to, and people come to say, He is the Christ, then automatically and necessarily the church will be built. The church of Christ cannot be built apart from confession of Christ. He will build his church. Now again, if we move forward into the book of Acts, we see this illustrated. You read the opening chapters of Acts and what does Peter do in those opening chapters and John with him? Well, here's what he says in Acts chapter 2 when he's this massive, massive crowd in Jerusalem. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. You see, he preached Christ And he went back into the Old Testament scriptures and especially into the book of Psalms and he drew one reference after another to the Christ from the Psalms and showed how they were fulfilled in the earthly life of Jesus. And then when he held up the Christ he said, now what are you going to do? Or in fact they asked, what do we do in the life of us? And Peter said, Repent and believe. You see, as Christ was preached in his glory and his power and witness to, in his person and in his work, then what happened was people were drawn to him and were told then, uh, drawn in repentance and faith and then we read in Acts chapter 2 verse 41 and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them there's church growth there's explosive church growth 3,000 people added to the church that day and then Acts 2 verse 47 the Lord added the church daily those who were being saved You see, these apostles realized how will the church grow? That's a question everybody's asking today. It's a question that 99 times out of 100 the wrong answer is being given. The church will grow if we do this or if we do that. The church will grow if we become more culturally relevant and become more like the church and update things, or more like the world, and we update things so that we attract people. Is that what Christ did? Is that what Peter did? Is that what Paul did? No, they went into communities. 
and they lifted up the Lord Jesus Christ. And they showed the reality of Christ in and through their own lives. And as they lifted up Christ in their words and manifested Christ in their lives, people began to ask, what are we to do? And if we want to see the church grow today, we need to lift up Christ in our words. And we need to manifest Christ in our lives so that word and action, word and life are wedded together to speak of Christ. And when we do that, and people will say, what shall we do? They'll ask for an account of the hope that's within us. And we'll have the opportunity to say, repent and believe in the Christ and explain the Christ to them and share the Christ with them. And as we do that, then they will be saved and the church will automatically, or as a result, necessarily grow. So as we think of Christ building his church and apart from Christ, our congregation will not be increased. I find, me, I find, me, uh, I, I find myself asking this question. Am I lifting up Christ enough in my words, in my conversation? Am I manifesting Christ clearly enough and consistently enough in my life so that my word and my actions speak of this one apart from whom I am nothing and can do nothing. So that people then are drawn. It's not some great program we need. It's not some new initiative that the church needs either here or anywhere else. We need to lift up Christ in word and in life. And as we do that, he will draw men and women and boys and girls to himself. And our congregation will be increased. But then again, that's for his glory, not for our glory. Apart from Christ, our lives will not be changed. Our children will not be converted. Our witness will not be effective. Our congregation will not be increased. But then there's a beautiful verse in Paul which puts it positively when he writes I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength our lives can be changed through Christ our children will be converted through Christ our witness will be effective through Christ and our congregation will be increased by Christ. Amen. Let's pray.
Almighty God, we thank you today for Jesus Christ, your eternal Son, your Son made manifest in human flesh and bone, born under the law to keep the law, the one who lived a life that was holy and harmless and undefiled, the one who is our Saviour and our Lord. We pray that we would know and believe and act in a way that shows that apart from Christ we can do nothing. O Lord, we're living in a day and generation when man is the big focus and what man can do. And even when we've watched the Olympics during this past ten days, the focus is on the strength of man, the skill of man, the speed of man, not on you, the God, who gives speed and skill and strength. O Lord God, deliver us from the mindset that focuses on man and make our gaze be continually on Christ and to know that in him we can do all things so that his kingdom is extended in our lives, in the lives of our children, in our community and through our congregation. Bless us, Lord God. Bless the labour of this week. We pray for those who have talks to prepare, games to organise, crafts to uh, display and to teach, those who will be involved in conversations in the coffee stops. We pray, Lord God, for um, all the activities that are planned. And we ask that in the midst of them all, we would have that overwhelming desire to make Christ known in word and in action. And as that happens, to believe that he will save to himself. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.